We're going to do Adonai and Jehovah tonight. Two names of God, Adonai and Jehovah. Can anybody take a guess of why I'm doing two names that are huge names in the Bible simultaneously? Who could, who, anybody with like a history of this can say, I know why you had to do this. They represent one another. They represent one another, absolutely. Who can, who can spell the name, uh, the, the English name for uh, Adonai to me? Who can spell it? No, who spelled the English name for it? L-O-R-D. Okay, has anybody heard of that name? <laughs> Who can spell the English name for uh, Jehovah? L-O-R-D. They're both, they're both L-O-R-D. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, it's, they're, they're both, uh, they're both L-O-R-D. It's, they're, they're both the name of, uh, of God, but they have I'll turn this around. We're going to break all this down and explain this as we get into this. So they're both really popular names. So let's go back into the story of Abraham and uh, let's figure out what's going on. Do you guys remember I told you guys the story about Abraham and Lot separated? And when Abraham and Lot separated, uh, Lot gets into a lot of trouble with the king of uh, Sodom and all that stuff. God, God takes Abraham to go in there and they rescue the people and Lot and all them. They come back and they want to give them all the treasures to thank them for what they did. And Abraham says, no, I'm not doing that. God is my treasure. God is my supply. So let's jump into that. And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So God comes back and says, Abraham, you don't even need what that pagan king was going to offer you. I am everything that you need. I am your great reward. So God tells him this. And then Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is the Eliezer of Damascus. Let's go back to the Lord God. It's not Jehovah God. That is Lord God. That's Adonai. So let's get into this because this is the first mention that I could find in the Bible. And I did some research to find out because I like bringing you guys to the law of first mention. Where was it first said and why was it introduced? So here's the first time that we read lowercase L-O-R-D, capital L, L-O-R-D. So this is the first mention of this. The word Adonai or Lord means master, just like we were just saying a minute ago. It means master or my great Lord. It means ruler. It means owner. So let's break this down. It comes from the Greek word that is actually, or Hebrew word, that is very popular in our world today. Has anybody heard of the movie Lord of the Rings, or movies, and the book series, and everything, Lord of the Rings? It's it's the same concept of it. It's the master of the rings. It's just another way of saying that. They're not stealing the name of God. And when I was young, and they would say, you know, like in cartoons and things like that, and said, you know, I I, I can't even think of an illustration. But anyways, where they go up and call somebody Lord, I would get offended by that going, why are they calling him a God or calling him God? They weren't doing that. So let me show you even scripture. It says, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am wax old, shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also. Was she calling her husband God? No. Did you notice it's all lowercase, L-O-R-D? It was a matter of just saying that the, 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 the kind of the master of my, the, the house or my husband or the one that I follow. That's what she was saying, my Lord. Uh, in the New Testament, so when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his stewards, call thy labors. Uh, he was the master of the vineyard. He was the Lord of those. 
it, it's, it's a title given that would kind of be like, a, we would say, coach or director or president or something like that. It was a title given to somebody that was the master or the ruler or the leader over something. So it just simply means this. And so we have this all through history. Like I was saying, like uh, the, the Lord of the Rings, it means the master of the rings or the leader of the rings or the owner of the rings or those that had possession of it. So Abraham called on Elohim, God, in that passage when he was talking to God, but he called unto him his Lord God. So think about what Abraham was saying. He says, you are Adonai or God, you are my master. And of course, Abraham recognizing God was taking something that even they would know what that meant and turning it to saying, God, you're the one I submit to. You call the shots in my life. You are my master. You are, you are my owner. So he was saying that in this passage. But there's a deeper, there's something that goes deeper with this. Remember, everything that uh, he, he, he struggled with this all through the, the, his life. Uh, I mean, all the way up until he had the baby. What, what was the struggle? We're getting old? We can't have babies? I mean, everything, we're falling apart? You're, you're sitting there. So Abraham struggled with this. But he was still calling him Adonai. I want to I teach you guys something that God kind of showed me that I think will help all of us with that story of why does God wait so long? Have you ever thought, we said this before when we're going through this, did God have to wait till he was 99 years old to have a baby? Did he have to wait till Sarah was 90? And I know we said it was a miracle, but let's be honest. And our, knowing the world that we live in, it'd be a miracle if, if she was 55. You know what I'm saying? So even if, Mary, if, if we said that Sarah was 55 or 65 years old, but I mean, 90 and 99 was really old. So I think this, this name ties into some of the understanding of it. But, but to call God Adonai literally means that I put myself under your authority. We can't do anything else. I submit to your plan. God, I, I, I have plans, but it's not working out. God, I submit under your authority. But can I tell you guys, sometimes it's easier to call God a name than it is to live out that name. That, that's the difference. And I, I want to show you guys in this story. When, and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And I know this is review, but what we're doing is we're going back, pulling out these names. And he said unto him, I am almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make a covenant between me and thee and multiply thy seed exceedingly. Now, you guys remember, this was the verse when God says El Shaddai, that Abraham got it. He got it so much that the New Testament says Abraham fell down and he laughed within himself, not out of disrespect, saying, wow, how amazing it is that we're beyond the point of even doing, being able to physically do this, but God can perform a miracle. He said he had hope beyond what hope could be the description of that in the New Testament. And notice verse 3. And Abraham fell on his face. You want to know what Adonai means? It doesn't mean that we just say, God, you are the ruler and you have control. It is when believers fall on their face. And, I, and, and that fall on your face, I know that that's physical. I mean, it's the outward. Like we, we talk about crying out to God. It doesn't mean that the neighbors have to hear you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some things we're kind of describing, but it literally means that Abraham got it in such a way. Now watch this. You, you want to know where the click was, where the changeover was from him waiting, 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 because we could have kept reading and said, Abraham was 125 years old when he had Isaac. 
God could have still done it. Okay, let's just be honest. But you see an action of surrender. It's knowing that God's not going to hold back his promise anymore because maybe, have you guys thought about this? Maybe it wasn't about, maybe this story wasn't about Abraham waiting on God. It was God waiting on him. Have you ever thought of that? Waiting for, in, for, for, for him to truly believe, saying, God, whatever, in that, that hands lifted high of surrender, God, you do it. I can't figure this out. I, I, I have tried to manipulate and go through the motions. Because to be honest, in this story, it's the first time that we ever find these actions. Now watch what this happens to this. And Abraham fell on his face, and the Lord and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thou name any more be called Abram, but thou shalt be Abraham, for the father of many nations have I made thee. So notice, that, notice the flip of the script when it comes to this. It wasn't until Abraham literally bowed before God and acknowledged him as master. Not that he said, O Adonai, master, but he acknowledged him as master, saying whatever you say. Then God did a work in Abraham. It wasn't about Abraham changing God. It was about God changing Abraham. And in that passage right there, we learn that out of all that time, because remember when God told Abraham, I'm going to make thee the father of many nations, God could have in that moment right there said, and you will no longer be called Abram, but Abraham. But when did the switch happen? When he fell down before God, acknowledging God is Adonai. Not through his lips, but through his actions, through his heart. There was a change that happened there. When you learn to submit him there. And then what was the promise was he was the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means, the father of many nations. So it's a powerful thing. And then God did the same thing, verse 16, that she would be the mother of many nations. God was waiting for them. So I, I think it could be, and I put this in your notes, that when we talk about how long it took for Abraham to be able to receive the blessing, it wasn't about God waiting, or it wasn't about us necessarily waiting on God, but God waiting on us. Let me, let me take you to the next name of God, and that is Jehovah. And we go back to the same story because the name Jehovah is mentioned in there. So in Genesis 17, verse 1, And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared unto Abram. Now, this is not the first time that the word Jehovah is mentioned. Jehovah is mentioned in the Old Testament almost 7,000 times. When I said that this is going to be one of the major names of God, I wasn't joking. It is one of the foundational. Do, do Google search or get your Bible program. I just search Jehovah or capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the distinction that they made. And I'll explain why they did it that way. But it was capital Lord, which means Jehovah. Okay. We, we see this all the way throughout the book of Genesis. And it's not explained in Genesis. It's not explained until we get to Exodus. So you guys know the story of the burning bush, all right? So uh, raised by Pharaoh's family, he, he is uh, brought before um, Pharaoh to be a, a ruler. He's raised in the house. He had all these blessings and things. He knew something was wrong in his heart. He rose up, spoke an Egyptian. He reigned for his life because he knew things were going to different. He goes to the backside of the desert. He's on the backside of the desert where God's working on him. God blesses him and God does a lot of things in his life. He's out one day and he sees this burning bush. Okay, let's read. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. 
And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Has anybody ever done a study on what that means? It's, it's cool because um, I'm going to get off on this. I, I shouldn't do this. Anyway, let's do it anyways. Okay. <laughs> it was a symbol of the Spirit of God. Because what does fire do when it burns something? It consumes it. It, it takes all the resources out of whatever it's burning to be able to do. So what happens when that log or, or whatever you have that you're burning, that chunk of coal is consumed, there's nothing left there because the power came from whatever it was burning. So, so take this. God says there was a powerful force there, the fire that was burning, but it was not consumed. It was, it, was a, it was symbolic of the Spirit of God all the way in the Old Testament that God says, I'll rest, I'll use you. Moses, who are you? I just want to use you that the power of God might rest upon you, that that thorny bush, and by the way, in the Old Testament, the bush that it described, that, that Hebrew word for that, was like a, like, like a nasty shrub. It wasn't anything significant. God could have like taken a mighty oak and like and a mighty oak burned with it. God was proving the point of that story, saying, I can use anything. What makes the difference is the presence of God being there. God resting upon us that are honestly just that thorny bush. Insignificant, unattractive, untalented, and God doesn't use the resources of you because we would just burn up. God puts his power on that, and he spoke through that, that object in there. It's, anyways, it's, I, I can't. It's just too cool. It's so powerful. And, the, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called him onto the, at the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, and the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. He came into the presence of God, and God begins to unveil who he is. Now, this is... You talk about names of God. What you guys are about to encounter is one of the most powerful encounters with the names of God that you're going to read in all of the Bible. Come now, therefore, and I will send unto thee Pharaoh, and thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of God out of Egypt? Uh, God would have responded and said, You're just nothing but a thorny bush. He said, uh, I could use anything illustrating in front of him with, the, the, what, what, with what he was doing. And he says, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token of thee I have, that I've sent. When thou hast brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Do you guys get... They didn't have what we have today. They didn't have Google. Who is the God of the believers? Who is the God of the Christians? You know what I'm saying? They, didn't, they couldn't, uh, hey Siri, uh, who's the God of the Christians? You know, like they, they, didn't, they couldn't do all that. So here they know that there was this creator, Elohim, but they didn't know God in that personal way. They didn't have the Shekinah glory that we read about in the tabernacle. They get it. They didn't have the presence of uh, God doing miracles. and that They didn't have the presence of the pillar of fire. They didn't have the manna yet. They didn't have the rock bringing forth water. They didn't have the shrub thrown into the water to make it bitter to sweet. You guys know what I'm talking about? So the thing is, they're living in a land full of pagan gods. And then they said, God says to let them go. And he knew that they were going to come back and say, what God? Because they're serving our God. 
So it was a matter of making the distinction in here, what is his name? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. He, and, he, and he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So this is his name. What is the name of God in this passage right here? I am. Now here's the problem with that. Let's say somebody comes up and talks to me because it's first person, but God, that's what makes this so powerful is this is a name of God that was given from God. God okay, uh, um, Elroy. Who, who called God Elroy? Hagar. You are Elroy because you see me. That's not what's going on in this passage. This is God saying, I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm giving you my name. I want you to declare to them who I am. It was a declaration. It wasn't just us claiming a name. This is my name. It means that in, in the, the name I am is the Hebrew v- verb that means he will be. Now, here's the reason why this is so important that we understand that we, we don't go around uh, this coming Sunday. We're going to sing a song. Guess what the song is? The Great I Am. The great I am. <laughs> it's like, this is the Great I Am. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite songs because it is so powerful, the Great I Am. But if I'm introducing God and somebody says, who's the God that you serve? And I replied with, I am. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have issues. People would be like, wow, you're cocky. You know, it's like, well, that's the God I serve. I am. You know, it's like, it, it doesn't work like that. And God knew that. So the, the, the name God I, I, I am means he is the self-existing, he is self-sufficient, he is the eternal one. It's almost like all the names of God all wrapped up in one. He's not dependent on anyone whatsoever. So you've got to understand, he had to explain it. So, and God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, the Lord God. So he said, when they say, who are I? He says, I am that I am. But he said, but when you talk to them, explain it like this. The Lord God of, father, of your fathers, of God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. Isn't that powerful? I am the self-existent one. I am Jehovah, and my name will not fade. We have a lot of names today, but I promise you, you, you it, there's nothing wrong with crying out to our Jehovah God, leaning on, trusting in, believing in. I mean, he's, he's Jehovah. This is my memorial unto all generations. Guys, that is directed towards me and you. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that I can say, yeah, that wasn't really towards us, okay? Character of God, all that stuff. But I'm saying is for like, like how God communicated and stuff like that. Some of those things was just Old Testament. That's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore because we have a, a New Testament to live by. So the Lord, in, in our, our language, we use capital L-O-R-D to describe it. That's a Hebrew word that means Yahweh. Now, here's why this is so important. In the Bible, we find that this is the personal name of God of Israel. This is the personal name of God. It appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. I had somebody else that said that it's rated at 7,000. So let's just say to be safe, it's somewhere in there. This name was special to God's people, so special because they had the intimate, the close name of God that when they would say, and I actually watched a, 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 a Jew um, Talk about this. Uh, I, had, I had a great time yesterday. It was Logan's um, doctor's appointment. 
at Children's Hospital. He has a heart appointment because it has nothing to do with his cancer. It's all about the health of his heart because of the location. But it's one of my favorite appointments that I have. And I don't know if I've ever told you guys this story. There's this Jewish lady, 100% Jewish lady, that's about this high. And every time she comes in, she hits me with Bible questions. She drills me. She just, we have a great time. It's like doing a Bible study every time we get together. But she's always talking about these names of God and talking about this. But they won't say this name. They will not say this name. It's the unspoken name. So much to where when they, were, when they would read, they would just pause in that moment because it was, the uns- it was so sacred and so special. They didn't want to bring any dishonor to even verbalize this name. It was so special to them. So instead of this, when they would put it in the Bible, when they would write it, they would actually write it at an eye because they did not want to say the name of God. So when they were getting to Jehovah, they would just pause and say, Adonai. That is why we have the name Lord for both names. That's why we're doing this right now, because I didn't want to cause confusion. I want to explain this. So they were basically would say, stop and say, he will be God, whatever it is. He will be provision. He will be almighty God. He will be the answer. He will be the rock. He'll be the strength. So instead they would be just substitute master of that. Later to prevent people from accidentally saying this personal name of God, they came up with a plan. Okay, so let me give you guys the plan and I'll break it down. So this is where the name came from. And I think I put this in your notes, or I tried to put it in your notes. So Yahweh is the name that they had. But Y-H-W-H was the Hebrew letters that were translated into what we have. So even back then, it wasn't necessarily like we do it today. Okay, so we have the English, but it's, I, I can't draw the fun. You guys know what I'm talking about, all the shapes and things like that? You know, Google it, you'll see it. So... Adonai, when they would spell it in the Old Testament back there, they wouldn't spell it with an I, they would spell it with a Y. And there's a lot of names like that that were just a little different, but it was just phonics when it came to that or, or, or grammar with that. So they had this idea that they would kind of combine the names together so that they would know that it wasn't Jehovah, or they would know it was Jehovah, but they weren't actually saying the name Jehovah. So they took the consonants of this and the vowels of this, and they spell Yahuwah, but nobody would say that. So they would have that name that they would use. Guess what? That's translated in English as Jehovah. That's where we get the name Jehovah. So it, it, it comes together. But it's a lot of it's just a lot of play on words because of the fact is that they didn't want to misrepresent or they didn't want to take the name of the Lord in vain or they didn't want to say it irrelevantly. So they did this instead. It was so powerful of what this means. So two things that I want you to really get from this. Number one, it means I am the one who is. Okay, that if, if we're just getting to the, to the roots of this. It means I am the one who is. There, there is nothing that he's not. It, it, it wraps around everything that you could possibly need in, in life. But two, this is a big thing of this. This is the personal name of God. Personal name. Um. I remember when we were having our kids, our grandmas went to war. My mom and Jenny's mom, not to war, but they were like, they claimed names before the kids were born for themselves. I don't know if anybody else said this. Uh, my mom was determined she didn't want to be grandma. She wanted to be Grammy. 
So she said for us to talk to Jenny's mom and make sure that they could negotiate who was getting called. Does anybody, does any other grandmothers do this or whatever? Okay. So, and then Jenny's mom wanting to be grandma. And then when, um, uh, when our kids were little, uh, Jordan's, uh, when Jordan was little, he was the first grandkid, he would call my, my father-in-law, he would call him, uh, well, my father-in-law would call him little buddy. So Jordan would call him buddy. And he didn't like, he said, I don't want to be called buddy. So he said, you can call me grandpa buddy. And then, uh, so we had all these special names with the being put around, but it was neat because they picked the name that they wanted to be represented by. But it wasn't just any name. It was a personal name. It was a name connected to the kids. And some of you guys have grandma names that were given to you because the kids could not pronounce the correct grandma name. But you didn't change it for anything because it came out of their little lips and you wanted them to say that because it represented you. Do you guys understand that Jehovah for us is a personal name that we have to connect us to God? That, that is why it's used more than any other name. I'll, I'll illustrate this in a minute, but before I do, I, I am, I'm hosting like a pastor's fellowship in, in August for some, some pastors in the area and getting them together and just talking through ideas and encouragement and things like that, having a meal together. I didn't do a form letter for it. I, I thought I wanted to do this differently. So I took out a stack of cards and I wrote out all the pastors that I know in this area and I wrote them a letter and I said, Dear John, okay, just said, Dear John. And at the end of it, I said, Your friend, Tony. I could have, I could have put in there and said, uh, Fellow laborer in Jesus Christ, Reverend Tony Liuzzo. You know, I could have whatever done that, but I, I didn't want to connect with them in that way. I wanted, I wanted them to know me just like, hey, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a dad and a brother in Christ. This is Tony just writing to another brother in Christ saying, can we get together and hang out? Do you see, it's not disrespect in the name of God, but when God was reaching down and they had all those false God and they knew him as Elohim, because that's all through the Bible, God wanted it to be more special for them to be connected to him as Jehovah. Let me explain. Exodus 6, 2, God keeps speaking. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, okay, I am Jehovah. And I appeared unto Abraham and to Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by the name Jehovah was I not known unto them. So you, do you guys get what I'm saying? He is Elohim, God in supply, but it was so distant. God doesn't want to be known as just your creator, that's why we say all the time, it's a relationship with God. It's not, it's not just being under Adonai. Thank God, Adonai. We should submit to God as Adonai. He is my master. But God takes it further than that and says, I want to I personally know you. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and in, in the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. I have heard their groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. I have remembered my covenant. Listen to how personal this is. He's saying, I know their pain. I know their frustration. I know the hurts they're going through. But you guys know for the longest time, they were just like, the God of Israel, where are you? They're just speaking to the clouds. Wherefore, I say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Notice how personal and powerful this is. As he said, I will bring you out. I, I give you a personal promise. I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with stretched out arm and with the great judgments. 
You, you realize how powerful that is? And God's introducing this. And like, who's doing this? Your God. I'm, I'm, go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock them out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flatten their gods. I'm going to redeem you from all the things that they're going through. I want you to know that I will deliver them. And then let me go back to verse 2 again, just to kind of reiterate. And God spake unto Moses and said, I am the Lord who appeared unto Abraham, to Isaac, unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by the name Jehovah was I not known unto them. They know me as one way, but I want them to know me in another. Let, let me take you, I told you guys that I've done this every time, and I did not want to do this name of God without doing this. This is not the law of first mention. It wasn't the first time it was mentioned in the Bible. What this was it was, the, um, it was the first time it was explained. But if you go back to Lord, capital L-O-R-D, you're going to find that all through Genesis. Man, just look that up in your Bible program. It's almost every other word or every other verse. So let me take you back to the beginning. In Genesis 1, is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the, and the earth was out, out form and void, and the darkness upon the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Like, what name of God is mentioned repeatedly in that passage? God. Be more specific. Elohim. So if you keep reading, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let the firmament show forth. Let, let there be uh, there plants. Let there be trees. Let there be oceans. Let there be fish. Let there be, I, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing as we go through there. Do you know what name is mentioned over and over and over again in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 when it says that? Elohim. Elohim, Elohim, Elohim. Now watch him change, okay? And God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, in 126. When we get into God actually doing this, now notice what God says about creating man. I want to make him part of our likeness. This was an intentional plan. We are created as, not to be God, but in his image. So we are soul and spirit. We have joy and we have peace. And I know I said this when we got into Elohim, so I don't want to be like repetitive, like this sounds really familiar. But it was a matter of God saying, I want to be intentional with my creation. I want it to be to where they walk with me and they talk with me. Now, guys, did he do this with any other creatures? It's never said of dogs. It's never said of trees. It's never said of any of his creation. Now, they're all created for his pleasure. But what was God creating to connect to him was us. We were created to connect to God. Let's make man for fellowship. Now, that blows my mind. It blows my mind out of everything that God created that he cares about talking to me. It's, it's amazing. You want to know why your prayer life is so important? Because God takes pleasure in talking to you. You know why I think sometimes we go through a hard time? Because you're not talking to him, and that hard time will drive you to talk to him. It's, and I, I won't go, we, we went through all kind of that in the past. So every single time we read Genesis 1, read Elohim. Now watch this. Watch how God changes things. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Do you see when the Lord God, the personal side of God, was introduced for the very first time in the Bible? was when God, and I'm not, I'm not trying to read into what the Bible says. I'm just kind of acting it out mentally what I'm reading. God getting on his knees and forming your nose and your mouth and your heart. God putting it together and God formed man out of the dust of the ground and God himself 
breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Do you know why it's so important for us to understand? I take people to this passage when I talk about salvation, and that doesn't sound like a salvation passage, does it? But a soul came from God. You literally are forever made to, or made to live forever because your soul came from the breath of God. Amen. You will live forever. The question is where? Either heaven or hell. And that's the thing. Your soul was created to live forever. That's the inner man. The spirit of man, or your body, soul, and spirit, the spirit of man is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's the part that's not a living organ like a lung or heart. But you're still made of the spirit of God. You, you, you have joy and, and passion and things like that. Then you have the physical. You, you, you bleed, you cut, you have bones, you have skin, you have all those kind of things. God made it this way. But when we read about Jehovah, it's creating man, breathing into man, placing man in the garden, walking with man, instructing man, and fellowshipping man. Everything we read about Jehovah was personally connected to God. And when God created the world, spoke it. When God created you, he hand-did it himself. The name Jehovah is stated when we see or witness anything personally connected to God. God wants us to know him personally in this way. So let me show you this. Even to this regard, when Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't Elohim that went into the garden. Well, it was. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> and they heard the, the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid him, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? God's never, God's change, uh, God's feelings towards us never changed. Even though that man failed, man sinned, and man ran from God, it was still the Lord God. Literally, who's looking for you was not the I am the creator of the earth. No, it was the personal connection to, hey, I made you. I want, to, I want to connect with you. It was the Lord God. God's desire never changed. So even when we get to Genesis 6, 6, when he said to the children of Israel, I am the Lord and will bring you out from underneath the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you of their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Genesis, when God made the coat of uh, skins for them to cover them up, it was the Lord God. God is a redeeming God. When Adam and Eve, or when the children of Israel were in bondage and God said, I'm going to redeem you and pull you out. Who said that? The Lord God. Notice this. Let me be ready to bring it home. This is us. We, we, who do we look to? It's Jesus. You, you know, I mean, a lot of times we're not even like, dear Elohim, I pray to you. You know, like we, we just, in the name of Jesus, we do that. But you say, is it connected? Absolutely. Watch this. For unto us, this is Old Testament prophecy, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Do you guys notice that all of those names are tied into Jehovah Shalom, the God of Peace, uh, Almighty God, uh, the Everlasting Father, Abba Father, uh, just the increase... Shall be upon, or, or the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. God literally said it's never going to come to an end. What I'm talking about, the authority and the zeal of the passion of God and God's uh, objective of redeeming his people, he said there will be no end to this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. The zeal of who? Jehovah. I'm going to do this. What was he talking about? And his name shall be called Wonderful counsel. We're talking about Jesus. 
Jesus was just an ambassador, or if you put it that way, of Jehovah. The one that made us, the one, the one that wanted to be close to us, the one to walk with us, the one that came to redeem us. The same way that he shed the skins in the Old Testament for Adam and Eve, the way, same way that he released them from bondage of the Egyptians, is the same way that he sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross. It was the zeal of God. It's personal. So now, guys, man, buckle up. Because if you've ever been into the name Jehovah, (laughs) watch what happens. It is the personal side of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. You you guys know what I'm talking about. Just start going through the Jehovah names and every single one of them. But God's saying, you want to talk about me being your peace? I am the personal side of God that's with your peace. It's not Elohim, like I'm just the God who sees, sees, sees. You know what I'm saying? That distance. No, I'm, I'm smack in the middle of it with it. Jehovah Shalom. Where do we get that name, the God of peace? Where is it found in the Bible? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You're with me. And it had to be Jehovah. Because he's the God that's with us. 